You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wake up in the morning feeling like... Waterman is extremely well. She's very slippery. You don't own me. Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because... I'm a woman. <laughs> Hello, tryhards. Hey, tryhards. I'm joined on the podcast today by a white van man. Waterman. Waterman. So how is your transit van? You know what? Very good on fuel. Not really? Gonna lie. Um, yeah, good fuel economy. Although it is a diesel, which slightly more painful than a petrol when you go to the old pumpage and yeah, uh, yeah it's I know expensive now um but yeah no it's been good I uh went to Ikea first time since I've been to since I went to uni I think and I made it out alive with flat pack everything so to be fair I thought I could find a flat pack van that I'd be able to drive yeah. Um, uh, yeah flat pack sofa flat pack bed batch I mean it's unbelievable what you can buy in a flat pack now it is cracking Um, cracking it does make me laugh you said that it's the first time you've been since uni Uh, I did notice I did note with interest that uh, at least three times over the course of uh, Wednesday to Sunday well Wednesday to Monday that I spent with you I heard you utter the stand the now standard nolly line of (laughs) Yes, I went to uni in Cardiff, which I really enjoy the way you try and mislead people into thinking you went to Cardiff University as opposed to UIC. Yeah, I went to uni in Cardiff. People go, you went to Cardiff Uni? And you always pretend you don't hear that bit and just continue <laughs> talking. And I'm like, you're letting people think that you studied like medicine or don't, like engineering. No, don't make out that I'm not proud that I'm an archer. I'm an unbelievably proud archer. Um, made some fantastic Archer's friends whilst I was at uni. Archer's of the year runner-up. I was runner-up, yes. And yeah, so whenever I talk about my uni, you bring up my runner-up status, which for me is first loser. That's why I didn't look at my uh, World Cup silver medals for a long time. Uh, so yeah, sevens on the weekend. Should we start start with a bit of sevens? We were there. Well, you were there in patches. We'll come on to that. Uh, you're kind of flying in and out of the sevens, which people were astonished by. But, you know, she is the busiest woman in rugby. Um but we were obviously. I'm glad you said woman because I am not busier than Brian Havana, who You're is not the busier, no person busier. in rugby. Um, Perhaps the world. Actually, just talking about flying around, uh, I had a little message from Damien Derrick, the uh, BBC Ledge of Bristol, yeah. um, an unbelievable beard now. So yeah, um, if you do get to meet Derek, um, say, so, uh, Derek, Damien, um, yeah, and. Uh, yeah, he had a little. He dropped me a little DM about my story about the airport. Well, there's another airport fiasco that happened, and I don't think I've told you. So I arrived very tired at one of the airports, like giving it the big one. They asked me, "Have you got any liquids?" I'm like, "I don't even." I just kind of nod and give the thumbs up. Like I'm a regular traveller. Don't yeah. you worry. Um, I proceeded to ignore the fact they said at this airport, "Do you have any hair straighteners or hair wands in your bag?" And I obviously just very experienced traveller, got everything out. I've got my little routine where I put them in the bags, all that yeah. stuff. Bullish. Wonder on through. And I thought, why has my bag disappeared? I thought, am I that tired? Have I not taken out a bottle of water or something? Anyway, he proceeds, this guy opens up my bag to my... Mo- like, I was mortified because... Because I'm such a 
clever packer. I thought, no one's going to open my bag. I'll put my bras at the top and I'll put all of my underwear in the netting section because that keeps it in the right area. However, this young man opened up my um, bag to expose my bras and my knickers to everyone in the queue, which is a busy airport because obviously everyone knows it's very busy at the moment. And proceeded in just poking it with a prod, saying, "Where, where is this?" Because didn't want to touch it because it had all, basically anywhere he touched was underwear. <laughs> and I finally managed to get the wand out. He said, "Okay, that's it." And instead of closing it up, he then wheeled my bag and all of my underwear back through security to go back again. I was like, "Can you?" I was shouting, "Can, can you close it?" But I think what you have to appreciate is how safe the other passengers would have felt knowing that there were additional parachutes packed for that flight. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. I was like, so my the moral of the story, if you go traveling, don't put your pants at the top when they open up the bag. I was devastated. I'm I mean, luckily, you a separate case for your bras nowadays. <laughs> you could use those as your case. Yeah, exactly. We'll put a little zipper on the top of them. My clothes. I rolled all my clothes up into one of my brushes. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like that a lot. I was Definitely. so embarrassed. I, I I don't get embarrassed by lots of things, but when I do, I'm like, honestly, my whole face was just burning. I mean, luckily, they were kind of normal. It just worse. it could be not worse. bad pants. When I I wasn't there, but there was a a former Sky. Um, employee who went on the 2001 Lions tour now I, I will just add he was not a public member of the team and and not somebody that people would know so I just don't start trying to guess who it was um, but his bag got flagged at airport security between two of the tour destinations on the 2001 Lions tour and when it was opened it was full of toys and I don't mean Rubik's Cubes and him and his wife just had to stand there whilst the rest of the queue watched <laughs> the contents of his bag be pulled out, examined. Yeah. So no one ever looked at him oh. the same again, unsurprisingly. Unsurprisingly. Wow. So it could have been worse. I mean, I don't really travel with those things. So <laughs> yeah, you, you can't do a Rubik's anyway, Cube, so that wouldn't happen um, to you. So, Damien, another story for you um, and everyone else about my purple pants. There Love we that. go. Love that. Uh, so, yeah, so that was in between your that stints. That was the sevens. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> that was, yeah, in between your stints at the sevens, which started for both of us last Thursday uh, when the World of Opportunity, which is an amazing HSBC programme that you've been a huge part of, landed at Twickenham Stadium. I was there filming it with my little blonde ambition media crew but um a really special day to be a part of yeah no it's cool like it's an amazing program the whole concept is in the title there's a world of opportunity there is a world of opportunity <laughs> Woo! um yeah no look, it's the idea is to just pull back the curtains to what how sport is run um, elite sport tournaments what what happens old peekaboo behind see what's going on who runs it because it is an absolutely mammoth task to do those types of events and it started in Dubai we did our first one over there when I was with um, Brian O'Driscoll and Dan Norton um, and yeah it's continued it was in Vancouver and then in and Twickenham and it was what's really cool is HSBC are linked with children in need so it was it was young people that are supported by charities that are supported by children in need so um all from inner city London and just went through all of the different roles responsibilities opportunities that you've got if you're passionate about sport but aren't necessarily going to be where everyone thinks they want to be as a professional athlete actually that you can still be in the tunnel with all of the athletes if you're one of the match organizers or you could be in the in behind the scenes in the commentary area because you're you know doing facts you know looking at all the facts and stats and that type of stuff or podcasts we even talked about that um which was obviously I held my own for quite a significant amount of time when I was talking about editing and publishing and um, putting it on uh, the a b z drive and um, doing stuff like yeah. that so yeah. <laughs> you know what I've I've never seen you look more tense and I can't I, I can only imagine that you wouldn't have felt as tense if I had not been stood there staring at you. Yeah, but the only reason I'm contempt. Mate, when you stare, your eyeballs actually touch you. So if you're even from a distance, they actually like touch you and slightly moist on your face, slightly weird. And <laughs> um, somebody asked me on the weekend if I was premature when I was born. 
genuinely me. oh you were you were quite premature were you when you were born and I was like oh what because I'm short and they were like oh no because you've got like you know those like boggly eyes <laughs> that's really offensive <laughs> I was like uh no I was actually two weeks late and they were like oh right okay <laughs> excuse me it's like I've got some sort of congenital defect. I've just got big eyes. There's nothing, there's nothing more sinister than that. Oh, and well, actually, so I went to the doctors today because I've I've got vertigo at the moment. It's absolutely crippling. Anyone who's had vertigo, honestly, I can't cope with this. It's it is doing my head in. But um I've been getting like muscular, like um, like freezing in my face and like twitches and stuff. And the doctor was like, thing is you have got big eyes. I was like, yes, aware <laughs> of that. Thank you. <laughs> Can people stop making comments? And the thing is, I don't even think I do. I think it's become like, I've become like a caricature of myself. And, you know, perhaps the, the, the doctor who I swear is about 14 listens to the pod because I swear you'd put him up to it, but that yeah. was that. Uh, but yeah, so we did... We did uh, World of Opportunity Thursday and Friday at the Sevens. And then I got absolutely tucked up on Saturday when you were in Marseille. Um, The longest shot on the world feed all day was a kind of 25 seconds of me and a certain James Haskell sitting in the HSBC hot seat, having a very intense conversation and I thought it was quite funny um, to post it onto my Instagram. And I had a couple of people message me to tell me what a turncoat I was for talking to James Haskell, who I have known for 15 years. Yeah. Uh, well, I think obviously, you know, neither of us have put much out there on social media. And I think I would have talked about it last week if we'd been able to do a pod. But from my perspective, I, I'm really... <sighs> I'm disappointed that so much negativity has been flung his way because my I've known James more so professionally. We didn't necessarily know each other as players, um, even though we did kind of cross paths a little bit at Wasps um, and obviously with England. But um, every time I've worked with James, he's been incredibly professional, incredibly respectful. Like he's an absolute tool, but that's what makes him what's yeah. why we love him, right? And yeah. um, and, I, and I've loved working with him. And I suppose there's lots of different parts around the whole conversation. And I think we've, you know, chatted about it. It'd be good to, to go through what we think because I feel like there has been a, in essence, a little bit of mob mentality against somebody. And Rocky put it really nicely. I heard a little clip on when she was on the good, um, the scars and the rugby saying that actually we all need to stick together for rugby and it's not about like finger pointing and that type of thing and actually for the for the better of the game yeah James is somebody for me that has always used his platform really really positively for the women's game I go on from my perspective how is somebody when I work with them I represent women's rugby as a female player when I go so if someone is massively respectful and treats me in exactly the same way as they would treat a male player um whatever it might be you know uh I think that that's a huge positive for the game because that shows in terms of our and all sorts of stuff um so yeah I uh be interested to see like hear how he was with you whether um yeah, we we had a pretty um pretty intense conversation about it. And, you know, James kind of said to me, you know, I'm surprised you haven't had anything to say. And I think maybe my opinion surprised him a bit because he knows me as a pretty forthright person. But there's a couple of things here for me. Number one, um, I have mentioned this before on the pod. I've talked about this every time there seems to be a uh a hashtag that goes viral or or something that uh you know the women's game jumps on and and we're all expected to support and get behind but fundamentally this exists in an echo chamber within women's rugby we all know the power of women's rugby we all support women's rugby but it is outside influence that's going to have more power and every time something like this happens and we alienate someone you, you've got to put yourself in the position of of other male players now you know why would they want to touch women's rugby women's sport with a barge pole if they think there's a risk that they're going to be cancelled for something that was incredibly minimal now 
I'm sure that Simi was upset by it and probably offended. And actually at that point, she could have messaged them directly, perhaps, or had a conversation with James. Simi's not the issue here. It's the other people who've jumped on it for clout and have jumped on it to uh, have their own say in the space. It's really interesting, this um, this conversation and platforming of male allies. Uh, for me, there has to be a point to this. You know, I, I don't want to look for men in, in any space, in any which way, to tell me that things are okay, to tell me that things are good, to tell me that I'm doing a good job, any of these things. It's men of influence that we need. And actually, in, in terms of men of influence in this game, you are going to find few who are as influential as somebody who has played in the English league and won it, has played in the French league, has played in super rugby, has been a British and Irish lion and has played international rugby for England at multiple World Cups. James Haskell, whether you like him or not, he is a contentious, I was going to use a swear word, but we don't swear on this podcast. We all know how much of an idiot he can be, but fundamentally he's the kind of influential voice that women's rugby needs. And as he said, you know, he's not treating women's rugby as a charity case, but the boys at the good, the bad and the rugby funded the good, the scars and the rugby out of their pockets. Women's rugby continues to be an entity of, of rugby that isn't making profits at the scale that men's rugby is. It's not paying anyone's wages. I don't work in the women's game and earn my money. I don't drive around in a nice car because of the women's game. It's the men's game. And those men who have influence in that side of the game are the ones that we have to look to. So it's great that there are men who, who love women's rugby. But male allies have to be influential men, as far as I'm concerned. And I think it's a real shame that someone has been cancelled who could be um, the exact individual who lifts up the women's game and puts it where it needs to be. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, though, isn't it? Because, you know, I remember early on in my career, I'd get really quite frustrated in interviews or with comments made. And there obviously wasn't the social media because it was in 1923. So it's quite a while ago. <laughs> Um, I'd be a little bit fat lemon fanta <laughs> I'd be a bit offended if people didn't know that women played or mm-hmm. anything and I suppose as I got more into it and I could see like actually how could I influence change and how could I create more of a positive like like awesome swell around the game was actually because the women's game in itself sells itself when people come yeah. to get the games and they see it and they see and they meet the players because the vast majority of the, you know, of any female player you ever meet is like awesome person. They've got a great story. They're really positive. They love what they do. Um, and you're not necessarily going to have a negative experience when you go to a game. So like for me, it was about changing my frustration into, well, actually, how can I create positive change? And actually to grabbing someone, instead of pointing a finger and saying, you don't, why don't you know about this? Why aren't you supporting it? Actually using it as a chance to educate them and grab them by the hand and say, look, come on, and actually do it with humour and do it with fun and saying, it's okay to not know. Let's actually have a conversation about it instead of publicly shaming someone for, for, for not being super positive or getting it right all the time and and I think as we shape and mold with loads of things in life and and society whether that's around you know with the black lives matter and our language used there and and how we do things in schools to transgender and what's happening in that space and you know which actually in its own sense I find quite difficult because I am a big believer in everybody having their ability to have a view and if as long as it's a positive contribution to a conversation in that doesn't have to be positive and all very nice I could disagree with something but as long as it's not a harmful comment or you know I'm, I'm singling someone out and, and potentially seen as bullying actually I should be able to have an opinion and I think the trans space at the moment is somewhere that both sides of the argument isn't actually allowed to to be positively received in a conversation and in a in a debate and I suppose where do I link that to women's rugby at the moment I think like I said at the start I think there's a lot of a lot of negative stuff that a lot of people are saying this isn't good enough this isn't good enough great it's really cool that you're suggesting that and that's been the case for a long time but there's ways and means about sharing that and actually influencing change. And if you're not, if you're just going to shout and, and spit negativity into a conversation to draw eyes to you and your platform and then create a bit of a storm in a teacup, then that's not, that's only going to just isolate people and not want them to be part of it. Like you said. So I think, you know, with, with the comment that Simi made, you know, about, I think, 
problem is with anything that's written it can be read in different ways like mm -hmm. put saying someone do better or do something well actually from her comment could it have been actually a, a private di direct message saying look just so you know this is how I've interpreted it please can you change it James's comment he shouldn't have where he's written it I know probably what James has said it he's like I have a day off like yeah but read because it's written and it's not said actually in person and it's not a video it's taken in all sorts of different ways and I think that's the problem with social media and and people fireballing at people that the written word can be interpreted in so different and it in so many different ways that it's and, and I would say the vast majority of the time if you're trying to influence positive change that's not the way to go about it it's about having a personal conversation with somebody asking them suggesting pointing out your point of view and then if they don't want to react and they don't respond or they give you something from a you know then yeah all right okay get a little bit annoyed and frustrated and and you know say something but give someone the chance to make change Do you know what I mean I, th I think that that's what I suppose I, how I would see it um and I think moving it on it's a really interesting one because on Saturday was the last time I'm going to be with that channel four group and it's made me realize and I was talking to the producers and the directors and the and I've always said to to Joe's head of channel four sport like how incredibly grateful I am for the opportunity they gave me four years ago to and it's actually mad to think that how inexperienced I was when I first did my the Champions Cup final in a commentary yeah. book so, my gosh I think back to when like what well, how I was then compared to her now and like you know just it's amazing how they just they backed me yeah. and gave me that chance now I think more and more the way that the game is going in sport and in and in rugby lots of women are getting lots of more opportunities and it's how it should be right it, need, it could it be better yes of course but I feel like at the moment in the space there's a lots of people saying oh I want a piece of that and jumping in with very little experience very little um you know professional knowledge of the space and then there's and because of TikTok it's it's brought in this kind of influencer into the, into the realm and that's great and a lot of them play grassroots rugby or involved in the game but because there's not because they're now a, got a profile they're then now being brought into the analyst space which yeah. is where um, unfortunately like they are not qualified because they're not from the elite game they haven't played at that top level and and, and they but they're being put into that player with the player hat yeah and I'm not saying journalists can't have an opinion and do, do the analysis all I'm saying is because they're a play because they're deemed as a player because they're an influencer they've been brought and I I find that quite difficult because it's not it's not portraying the technical, tactical, analytical knowledge of the game, of the top level game, that there should be coming from a like a female player. But not just that, I, I don't think we'd see it in the men's game. And actually what you've just said really reminds me of, of the fact that, so I do a bit of guest lecturing on the uh, sports broadcasting course at Cardiff Met. And oh, every Cardiff. lecture at, at oh. UIC, um, kids who go to university in Cardiff. Um, and, I start every lecture with the same thing. <clears throat> Martin Turner, who BAFTA winning sports director from Sky Sports, Pub Sports, then rugby, then F1, absolute legend of, of broadcasting. And he would say the same thing to all of us who were aspiring to be reporters, presenters, commentators. Nobody cares what you think. Nobody cares what you think. And that isn't that isn't a harsh thing. It's it's not there's no malice. It's not a vicious thing to say. It is the fact that you are there as a conduit for the conversation. You are there as a conduit for the broadcast. You are there to bring this to people. You are not there to be the conversation. And that's where things are getting a little bit lost for me at the moment. But with I think to contextualize that, it's because you're not coming from having played international rugby yeah, yeah. So. I'm, talk I'm talking about yeah. journalists I'm not talking about pundits I'm talking yeah. about journalists if if, if you Rocky Cat any of you who are women working in in rugby media came out tomorrow and said in an interview on screen any of these things oh do you know what I actually think the most important thing for the women's game would be they play in sleeveless shirts next season I think it would change the game we would have to stop and listen because <laughs> your your guns your your soft noodle arms at the moment yours are like tubes of penne at the moment mate really overcooked sloppy penne 
like the stuff right. they served us in Seville. Love you. Um, but fundamentally, you have a right to say whatever you want in that space. If you are a journalist, you don't. It, it's it's rule number one. And, and I would hope that people listen to this pod and kind of take that from the way that we communicate on a weekly basis. I can have an opinion on certain things, but there are certainly other things within the game that, are, are, you know, well, it's to me. And also, do you know what? One thing I really want to add to this is that I had a bit of a, a personal professional epiphany two weeks ago. So to lose sevens, I was asked if I would VT coordinate. Now, the VT coordinator is the person who directs the replays. I've worked in sports broadcasting since I was 21 years old. That's when I first started in TV. And in my entire career, I have had, I've presented programs, reported pitch side on programs, I've produced things, I've I've done everything, but I would not do that job because there was a very toxic uh, male colleague who I worked with who made me believe that I was incapable of doing that. And I... I did it the week before last and to lose. And I have to say, I absolutely smashed it. Like I was so good. It was unreal. Like <laughs> literally like Im- DHL impact player, give it to me. But it's made me realize how my entrance into this industry, my entrance into this sport is so different to young women who come through nowadays. There is as close to parity as we can get. Women are being lifted up. They are being given opportunities and equal, if not greater rate to young men. I was not afforded that same thing. And that's where there are certain young women who a little bit of me, I feel like saying, if I could get in a time machine and take you back, not only would there not be seats at the table for us, you wouldn't be let in the room. So don't think people appreciate how far we've come and actually how much rugby leads the way as a sport. Look, from my perspective, I think where some people may feel that they have created some change or some change might may come because people are far more aware very publicly to make sure that they get men's and women's and it's something that we've been pushing for a long time and and been making changes in different ways whether that's through me talking to the guys that provide the stats for the commentators or um working with brands and working with different people um i'm i suppose i just it's just to reflect at what cost at what cost this conversation has had on individuals um brands on on the game because it's I think you've touched on it if I was someone outside the space coming into women's rugby and being asked to give an opinion is a really really hard one and use your platform to talk about it if you don't know about it now I it's taken me three and a half years to learn about the men's game and I have access to it every single weekend I have a portal to watch every single game pretty much globally down to under sevens in New Zealand and I have it's taken me that long because it's also paying my wage it's it's my job now to do it and I've made that choice but for a man to come over and to feel comfortable enough to give an opinion and to do that one, there isn't the ready available information about it all. There's not the history. There's stuff that's we're trying to build that out. Um, they've got to do it in a different way. Um, and I just, it's difficult for them to do it anyway. And that's not, yeah. not saying that and, and, and letting the boys off because I'm the biggest one to say, let's not use that person or that person because I think it's false in terms of what they're yeah. doing. But I just feel like, this has had a neg potentially had a negative impact in a year and you say it all the time where we need absolutely everyone behind all of this um with the world cup and then with the six nations and with all of these record crowds and everything because that's how you go from good to great yeah. that's how you really really get the change on like making an impact it's everybody getting behind it and I just feel like we've maybe in some sense stepped stepped back a bit I agree a good place to wrap it if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery think again Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime even better this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment no maintenance required improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC for important safety information 
information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Talk to me then about Marseille on Saturday. I missed most of the game, but saw the last five minutes, which is all you kind of needed to watch. I... Number one, what was it like sitting next to Jamie Heaslip during that? Oh, <laughs> I tell you what, Jamie Heaslip, Mr. Mr. Blue. I think he I think he had blue pants on. Um <laughs> uh, he's it was really funny. So the last nine minutes of the game, so at 71 minutes, they were La Rochelle were behind by four points. They were awarded a penalty in front of the post. And we were talking, saying, Well, what do you do? Do you take the three and then hope that you get back down there or you go for it and we were talking about La Rochelle being um brave and how um in the press conference Miles had talked in the in the in the start of the game he talked he'd, he'd spoken to to Raj and said and he basically said Willie we will win this but we definitely won't lose it in terms of what they were going to get from the game and he just wanted his players to go out and play and we were talking about the bravery and but it kept happening and they kept not scoring so they kept getting these penalties yeah scoring and it was like oh my gosh and at one point they were like hammering the line hammering the line getting closer and closer to these picking guys and where we were we always quite often we're actually often quite in like in front or behind the bt sport guys when because of the space we were actually all on the same level yeah um it's such a big stadium on that side and um as i was looking to jamie to talk or to see what like to bring him in Brian O'Driscoll was on the edge of the BT Sport lot and the two of them were like a slight shade of grey staring at the screen, like absolutely living every defensive moment with yeah. Leinster. It was, it was, I wish I'd taken a photo because it was pretty impressive to watch those two like absolute legends, four stars, but the four stars between them. Um, to and and a challenge cup. So, you know, oh they- my God. They've never lost a European Cup final. Although Jamie did say that he doesn't understand why people celebrate being in the Challenge Cup. (laughs) Uh, Do you know what? We're singing from the same hymn sheet. I find it mortally embarrassing that Cardiff have two stars above their badge for the Challenge Cup. (laughs) It's like having an effort certificate. Don't get me wrong. The weekend that the boys won it in 2010... I parked outside Aldi. That's like the um, M&S Caterpillar, Colin the Caterpillar yeah. and the Aldi. A Clyde, yeah. <laughs> Did you have a Colin the Caterpillar birthday cake? No, I had a Clyde. Yeah, oh, 100%. <laughs> uh, literally, like, that is, that is it. In fact, that's what they should give out the instead Colin of medals. Clyde. You either get, like, the Colin Swiss rolls or just, like, the end of the Clive. <laughs> Clive's face isn't even made of chocolate. It's made of fondant icing, which no one likes. Maybe that's what we'll call it next. Next year on the pod, we'll call it the fondant icing cup. Oh, that's really made me laugh. Colin and Clive. 
Um, that's what we'll call the pod this week, the Colin and Clyde comp. Uh, I loved it because I love all the scenes of Laura Rochelle when they've like, the, the people in the streets and the fact that the population of La Rochelle is like 300,000 and that 250,000 of them were in the streets of the town. I worked in the top 14 the first season that they came up and they're very much this kind of Exeter story. You know, they have had a sprinkling of star power over the years. I remember when they signed Victor Vito, that was really big. And, and they have had names, you know, the superstar that is Ryan Lamb had a couple of seasons at La Rochelle, gave me tickets for the Scarlet's game uh when they came down always great to have friends in high places but they are a rags to riches story in that sense and when the camera kept cutting away to their owner it was special he isn't Altrad he's not Bujalal he's he's not you know Laranzetti it's not the same kind of story and it's um yeah it was super special and how good for the French and French rugby that they've won the European Cups and they've won the Six Nations and they host the World Cup next year. This is exactly what a nation needs when they are the home nation host. Yeah, and I, I mean, it also epitomises the French game at the moment that Aldrit was um, his captain. You know, a young French back rower, unbelievable engine. He is honestly an utter machine. He, although he looks like Don Brandt, he's got, like Don Brandt has got hasn't got the like well maybe it's slightly changing but they both look like kind of national one players that might have a little good good old beer at the weekend like definitely wear a club tie shirt and jeans yeah 100 percent and brown brown shoes with blue yeah. train is definitely not a definite no-go but unbelievable player like like just like don brand a ridiculous engine get the work he gets through and just the fact that he as a young captain took his team on to do it without Victor Vito I think in there um the young players that they had brought in and also without um Kerbalo the yeah. all black scrum half they brought in this like young French dude who like I don't I think he was 21 yeah and half and he he and then Ehi West who got absolutely hammered for not he got one out of four kicks in the semi-final and they were like basically in front of the pace and then he nailed all of them yeah. <laughs> in the final. Love it. That must have been great for you to watch as well, just from the perspective of being a fellow ginger, just seeing someone of your <laughs> colouring perform at that level in the European Cup must have been thrilling. Um, IC7, as Ben Ryan told us, that's what they're, they're known as. Um, yeah, no, Autumn sunset. Autumn sunset, he calls it. Um, atmosphere was unbelievable. I felt very, quite emotional watching it um, in terms of, I feel quite privileged to be in a commentary box now. I, I'm not as nervous as I used to be and anxious and worried about everything that I'm doing and saying and breathing and seeing. Um, but I, I just stopped a couple of times in the game where I had Miles Harrison talking about this amazing competitive game, the voice of rugby do you know what I mean and I'm stood next to somebody that has like won pretty much everything apart from got close to World Cup because Ireland rubbish but, but but just the game and just how how sport brings so much emotion and I just yeah. I don't know now and again I think we need to stop and just you know we, we go to concerts you go to things and everyone's behind their mobile phones and I saw something, there was like a video ages and ages ago about some old guy that was at somewhere like a concert and he just stood there smiling, watching it and everyone yeah. else looking at their phones. And I'm like, it's it's those types of things that you have to remember to do. And I just really, really loved it. Um, and I feel very privileged to have been part of the Channel 4 team for, for four finals. Like it's pretty mad to think where I've been and what I've done with that group. And yeah, it was... Um, it's a nice wrap because obviously we had Brian back as well, who was part yeah. of the ori original team. Um, so yeah. When you say that thing about mobile phones, I always think that when I watch people film the anthem at games, I think you're never going to watch that video again. Just watch it. Just watch the people on the field. Um, speaking of anthems, I busted out both the Kiwi and Aussie one before the final. You did your absolute best to ignore me singing both of those in your yeah, ear. No, I did notice that you knew the first bit of the New Zealand one and then not the rest of the Maori anthem. No, I, but... I know, yeah, I know the English bit and the I know. Hey, yeah, hua, tua. Hey. 
phonetic? Um, no, I, I did. It did. It did make me come up in hives a little bit. That's why I couldn't turn around. I couldn't do it. Bit mean. Um, but yeah, what else have we been up to? It's been busy. We were at the we're RPA, RPA Awards. Awards. I an award. Didn't trip up on stage. I did have a couple of um, pints of the black stuff before I went up on stage. So I did feel like I needed a glass of water because I didn't want to like get the old horse teeth out and chew my saying <laughs> something. But um, yeah, massive congratulations. Marley Packer, England's women's players player. Hell of a woman. And Sadia Kabea, back row demon for uh, Left for Lightning, smashing people for fun this year. Can I just uh, pick up on something there? This this happened the week before last, so on our last pod. You know, there's no D at the end of demon. You say demoned. Do you know that? Do you know there's not a D on the end of that word? I like demons better than demon. Why would you say demon? That sounds like that sounds weird. Because that's the word. <laughs> you said I, it three times on the pod the other day, and I was like, "Am I? No, she is. She is saying demoned." Well, argument. Anyone that has got through to this point in the pod, please um, let us know. Drop into the DMs. Slide in. Slide um, in. Yeah, no. Obviously, it was a brilliant night with um, Sarah and Jordan from Guinness, and obviously the WRA team were there as well. Yeah, do you know what? That was like absolute legend table. Sarah Griffiths, Jordan Woodhouse, but two of the absolute OG legends uh, of of dinners. Uh, right, you were a blast. Sarah introduced you as a kind of ish ambassador, which ambassador. She re- she recoiled very quickly um, until we decided that you were a glam ambassador. I have got I have got the keys to the kingdom of Guinness. If I can help find her mum, an assistant manager of the Fat Face Shop in Cowbridge. I will be naming my price with Guinness next season. You just wait. I'll be there giving out the, I'll be giving the trophy at the Six Nations next year. When Wales reascend their rightful place at the top of the table, I will be handing over that trophy. And I look forward to it. Well, is there anything else that's going on? Well, yes, there is. There's a final on Friday. There's a final. I was going to do a little drum roll for it then, but... uh, Right, shall we, because we didn't pod last week, we haven't talked semi-finals. So uh, the Exeter-Bristol game was a thriller. I, I was going to try and make it like a thriller in Manila, but there isn't really a natural Southwest rhyme for that. Uh, the spectacular and Exeter, does that work? No. Um, no, okay, thanks. I try my hardest. Uh, there was beefs by the Chiefs. <laughs> okay okay um exit to the rightful oh. finalists do you think um it was really interesting because i only got to watch that not that like a few days ago and yeah. um it was a brilliant like at moments when as soon as bristol had territory they were really dangerous but they just massively overplayed in the middle of the field yeah. and the fence was outstanding but snowy came off the bench and and lucy excuse at 10 did a good job but she was so deep that it just played into the first receiver that it played into the hands of Exeter's defense because all they were doing was filling the field and when you've got someone's distribution like amber reed outside you you can afford to go to the line because she doesn't need that much time to distribute whether it's yeah. like the short pass big pass and I think just the depth of um, of their attack just made it slightly easier for Exeter to defend. And to be fair to them, their set piece was decent. But then Bristol's as well. Abby Ward had a phenomenal game um, in terms of just what she did around the park, lineups and stuff. But yeah, I think, you know what? It's interesting because there's lots made of all the different players and um, Cantona's goal kicking was class. But for me, Kobayashi, the Japanese player that was at 13, was just really like quietly excellent. Yeah. Like her little, she had this like little, little couple of little passes. Her defense at 13 was what was allowing the wingers to, to be released basically, to be able to do what they need to do. Um, yeah. So I think 
she had an outstanding game at 13, but you, not any of the glamorous stuff. Do you know what I mean? Um, there's a really, there's a really interesting one for me with, um, with Exeter's kind of like second half of season ascendancy, or even just kind of like the last like quarter of the season. Like for me, if you compare it to the men's premiership, it would be like Leicester not getting to the final, Bristol not getting there now because they had such an amazing start to the season, played such great rugby at the beginning and it looked like they couldn't lose and the fact they're now in the final you know for if you'd said that at the beginning of the season you'd have been like oh no they're gonna be they're nailed on finalists because of how they played so it is I mean obviously the Bristol girls will be gutted and you know it's unfortunate for them but this is the beauty of having like playoff rugby at the end of the season because it means that we are going to have the highest quality final possible yeah, but also you've got to think like they were missing a few players. So Grace Crompton was out, HIA, um, Jazz Joyce, obviously with her shoulder. Um, and they also had uh, Renita Marston, who's a big ball carrier eight, um, who's been, who's actually kept um, Shuan Lily crap out of the team at times. Yeah. Um, so for her, she got um, sighted, so wasn't able to play. So they had some big players not not involved um it's an interesting one because by all accounts leanne infante was fit to be selected but wasn't picked um whether that's on form and training whether i'm not quite sure because i'm not spoken to her um but to not include an england player like that who yeah. in my opinion is the best nine in in the country is a is a big call so there's some obviously snows on the bench and stuff so i haven't looked into it or spoken to anyone or anything like that but yeah, I think they were really unlucky. They got their try at the end, put them forward, and then, yeah, it was a penalty, extra booted down, and then last play of the game. And Courtney Key and um, the extra, uh, what's her surname? The, the crazy, like, solid American winger, Detivo. Yeah. They had the most amazing battle. They were like, absolutely beating the crap out of each other the whole game <laughs> and it was unfortunate the death of it like she got one over on key at the end like she that was the that was the try um that sealed the deal but um yeah it was a good good game hope rogers another american that performed um unbelievably strong i don't know whether you saw it but there was a video posted of her doing bench and she was repping out at over 100 kilos um Jeez, which is christ is that's it, really what i'm lifting yeah, so I was actually going to say to her, have you been listening and watching LJ train? Because, yeah, she's strong. Some strong woman. Some strong woman. Some strong woman. Do you know what? I still think that USA could surprise some people at the World Cup because the form of some of their players in the uh, in the Prem has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, can't believe how many players they're not including in that wider squad that they've picked, though. Um Kirsty Kirsch was amazing in Toulouse and she's not in. It's just another one. Kirsty Kirschy, the most yeah. American name I can think of. Uh, so talk to me, Saracen's Quins. Um, oh. I haven't seen it. Was it tasty? Quins just had so much possession and so many opportunities and they just didn't capitalise. Like really early on, they were camped on the line, um, <coughs> didn't score. Um, but every time and I think I've got confused so I said about Bristol converting actually don't think they did I think it was Saracens actually <laughs> whoopsies and that was slightly wrong um, no, every time Saracens went into the 22 they basically came away with something and what was, in, what was impressive was the way that they played and they mixed up the speed of ball like Poppy and Marley are on fantastic form. And, Mo and Poppy in particular, actually, did a lot of the unglamorous stuff. She played in at five. And her pick and goes, and some one of her turnovers in particular, was absolutely outstanding. But it was a speed and variance of how they picked and what they did. It was real clever rugby. Um, I don't think we, we didn't see really either of the, either of the back lines. Um, Aleph Kelter was a nuisance around the breakdown, got some good turnovers. She actually got a, she got a team yellow. And then I don't know if you've seen it clipped. I don't know whether it did go out on socials, but um, she got cleared out in a breakdown 
or someone got there was a breakdown and basically Rosie Gallagher comes through and, and she's holding on to Alice she's holding on to a leg which I don't know in my sense I feel like you should get a little bit of a studying you're not allowed to do that anymore obviously that's not <laughs> I, just hate someone, I just hate it when anyone held on to me but she's holding on to Alice and instead of like you can't obviously kick out which I agree and there was yellow card there was a Harlequins men's game actually who was it that kicked out and they got carded for it. Anyway, I can't remember. Um, bad story. But um, I... So, Aleph, instead of pushing her off on her shoulder or something, pushes her to the face. Yeah. Now, I think Nikki O'Donnell is a fantastic referee. And she deemed it as uh, not much intent and there wasn't much in it. I personally think irrelevant of how hard she's pushed her in the face there are other parts of your body that you can push someone off and the way that the video shows Rosie Gallagher's head flip back there was put there was there was some I mean yeah Alice a strong woman <laughs> now it would have been people would have talked about it being a really harsh yellow card if she'd got a yellow card for it but I believe it should have been just because she struck her in the face and yeah. actually it, 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 the intent was she could she could choose where she hit it wasn't a hit out and you know when you accidentally push someone and then it happens to be a face she hit her face and that would have been a red card because she had obviously already got the team yellow now would that have changed the game it's 51 minutes on the clock and Sarri's were up by 20 odd points I think they would have gone on to win it, but it would have made a big difference because Aleph was having a huge game and she does, <laughs> does play a massive role. She's basically like a fourth bat row. Yeah. Um, so if she had been yeah, red carded, would she have instantly missed the final as well? well? Yeah, see, so there's bigger potentially, unless it was overturned. I don't know. I'm not quite sure because it was two yellows. Yeah. I, it, I'm not, it's hard because I suppose just thinking about Nikki O'Donnell as a referee, actually, with the announcements recently, like, firstly, congratulations to everyone that's been announced for the Women's Rugby World Cup. But I think she's massively unlucky to not be involved in that because actually she's one of the bo- the best and most consistent referees in the top league in the world. Yeah. I don't I- understand why she hasn't got a, got a position in the centre. Now, I get that Sarah has obviously, uh, Coxie has already done obviously like higher profile stuff so she's like works in the men's game and stuff but there are definitely other referees that are refereeing nowhere close to what but I think that's I I have to kind of be a little bit careful with it because um Nikki is a friend of mine like I love Nikki to bits and and you know she's a pal and I don't want to sound one-eyed with it but there are she is one of the best women's referees and certainly if you look at that panel it's fantastic that world rugby have announced such a mixed panel and you can't have lots of referees from one country but fundamentally England aren't going to play in every game so you could have multiple English referees and there is an argument that Nikki should have been on that panel alongside Coxie the two of them both warranted their places perhaps over and above other people who were on that panel um like I'm saying it I'm not like I I know Nikki I think she's a great girl I, I'm saying it as an ex-player and as somebody yeah. that watches enough of the women's premiership to know that she's the mainstay in the women's premiership yeah. and and in that premiership you only got to look at the Exeter side they've got 12 different nations represented in that team and she does a brilliant job week in week out she has a great relationship with the players um she talks well I've disagreed with this situation with with Alev but that that's just a one isolation and it could go either way. That's just my yeah. simple. Um, and more so, I suppose, on the game. But I suppose um, the only other person to say well done to, obviously, is Holly. Um, oh, God, they- as, much as, it, as much as it grips me to congratulate <laughs> her. Um, I love Holly so much. She is one of the my favourite people Um to see when I'm away on the sevens tour she always makes me smile always makes me happy normally because she's picking on me um she's got an absolute heart of gold but she works so phenomenally hard she's incredibly lucky to have a supportive union like the SRU behind her who are constantly pushing and lifting her up she's had so much opportunity in the URC um she's obviously named on that panel but she will be in the middle for the first men's international test match that will have a completely female panel um 
which I believe to be next month. Um, but yeah, huge congratulations to Holly for that because she's a phenomenal talent, but she's also an absolutely amazing person. So it's more, um, so it's not even about just the or women's, it's actually the fact she's the first woman to referee in a Six Nations team because it's Italy. Yeah. So yeah. Now, like, and it's brilliant because obviously she's done lots of the URC, hasn't she? So she's yeah. been refereeing a lot of the Italians in particular. Um, I think it'd be good. I, I, I'd really like to see Coxie doing more premiership. I think she's done a brilliant job on the games. And I think, you know, she's probably not got the opportunity to consistently do high level men's games to take that next step, which is a shame because I think there is plenty of opportunity to do that. Um, when you see how much opportunity Joy and Holly are getting in the URC. Yeah. Um, I think just quickly, I, we kind of moved away from the game, um, Saracen's game. Like Quinns have been disjointed all year. They haven't really, they haven't really shone. Um, and yeah, Saris were, Saris, Saris look good. Like they did look good. Um, Holly Aitchson did one absolute belter of a 50 to 22 mm-hmm. um yeah just so cash as well loved it i had a bit of abuse uh, off ian Aitchison on twitter earlier on oh did you yeah because i tweeted yesterday saying uh five of uh, or four out of five sevens events done this season or five out of six on to la you know every monday morning i wake up with a hangover and he replied saying sounds like a really hard life lj so you know <laughs> i i get it i'm lucky um but yeah i I don't think we, I personally don't think you can pass, see past Saracens on Friday. Um, it's interesting, right? Because Cantona and Kelter, the two 12s, likely to be two 12s, are two American absolute bulldogs yeah. and they're going to go hard at it. Now, Olive obviously got the, the yellow and a penalty. Um, Marley's on ridiculous form at the moment. I think she's definitely putting a hand up for world player of the year and like what she's doing consistently club and country i think she's doing an amazing job player of the bloody universe i think at the moment um so and poppy but i'm interested to see whether saracens if exeter can get into them and get stuck into them whether they can keep their cool because they that's probably where they will get punished because like that's how Quinn's got into the game it was three penalties at the breakdown and, and like all sorts of stuff and consistently so I'm I'm intrigued to see if they if they can keep all 15 players on the field I think Saracens will do it but I think Exeter are consistent are very consistent at what they do and they're also very patient so if they get hold of the ball they're quite similar to the men's side as in like they keep hold of it they're good and they've got some big <laughs> big players that probably I would say are one of the few teams in the league that can live with the ferocity of the Saracens pack um so good word yeah I've been studying um not Italian English Um, (laughs) anyway I need to get back to my van I'm in my van driving my van I'm also I've got to do 66 minutes of additional exercise to earn my May apple watch badge it is quarter past nine am i going to go for a walk in an attempt to close my ring i mean when does it have to be done by by today it's the 31st of may mate so i'll tell you i had to burn no i had to do 1620 minutes of exercise this month and i have done 1554 that's upsetting i know i'm, I'm going for a walk i would do out. go and do it because you've earned it with all the partying obviously you weren't what wearing it so on the dance floor all those twirls that you did at the rpa awards weren't registered mate i had my apple watch on i don't mate i got a dance badge i got a dance workout badge when we were at the rpa (laughs) tell you when i didn't have it on on and this would have done it this is what's made me so angry because my heart rate registers as exercise minutes on Saturday night in that hotel I was staying in, there was a fire alarm at half past one and I had to walk down seven flights of stairs and up seven flights of stairs and my heart was beating like a drum. If I'd had the watch on, I'd have got the bloody award. On that, enjoy your walk. Bye, tryhards. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 